Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. want to welcome you to this episode of the brains magazine podcast and today we go stateside uh, we're joined with thomas ai nerd halfrick thomas is the ceo of instaral.ai he's also the host of the ai nerd which is his youtube channel how are you today thomas i am i am delicious thank you for asking delicious like a dessert i mean i would i would hope you'd start with me and <laughs> and finish with me i guess i <laughs> um, no, it, I, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. It's uh, it's a it's a beautiful morning here in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be speaking with you today. Love it all the way in Ad- Atlanta, Georgia. One of my editors is from Atlanta, Georgia, so um, yeah, it's a cool part of the country. I, I uh, visited a, a few of the places in Georgia, like Thomasville. Uh, I dated a girl from Thomasville, Georgia, when I was like 17. Oh wow! I mean. That's a whole different story. We probably have a whole podcast just on that relationship um, itself. <laughs> probably, Thomas. Let's dive straight in. Uh, people are going to be thinking, "What the heck are these two clowns up to today?" But um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to start with, you know, what is AI? Obviously, we know it's artificial intelligence, but where are we seeing it show up in our everyday and in our world? Yeah, I mean, AI in general, like you know, the joke is it's it's everything we can't do in technology today, um, and and yet people use it, you know, all the time and it's, it's leveraging it in, uh, you know, Siri or, you know, Google assistant, which will probably open my phone if I say that. And, you know, and you're using it there and you're, you're leveraging it when you're uh, getting recommended from Netflix or other streaming platforms. So it's, it's all around you. Um, you're being, you know, if you're in, on Facebook or other social medias, it's being leveraged the other way to put the right ads in front of you in the right moment. Um, you know, we're leveraging it uh, every day to create content and engagement on uh, social media through Instagram. So, you know, shameless plug there, but that's like we use it every day uh, just to create things as, as others do. And so it, it is everywhere, but it is not everything. And it's not a, you know, the generalized take over the world version of AI that I think it was originally sold. So that's we're not quite there yet. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, between the fine balance of privacy and then the fact that we do have people listening in whether we like it or not agreed and it's amazing how many times like you know we run google home mesh you know for internet and all of a sudden google starts answering a question i didn't ask and i'm not sure how or what i said to trigger that but it was nothing that was should be on the list which is just scary uh hope it doesn't play back like an argument you get into at some point you're like ooh. Sounded pretty, but no, it, it is. It's crazy how much is, uh, it's it's there in your data and your privacy. You know, you, you're you've given it away when you've bought these things and signed up and agreed to the terms and conditions. Um, whole different probably line of business uh, and discussion that I probably am not fully qualified to discuss. But uh, there are movements to get people to get your data so you get paid for it. So when people are using your data, uh, you have to a, agree to it and b they have to pay you for it whenever it's used in you know sampling or whatever else. So there is a shift. I don't know what's going to happen. There's quite a bit of big money that likes to get your data for free so mm, for sure and we will talk about uh, your business instaral.ai um but before we do uh, 
you know, I know that you're into engagement, content creation, thought leadership, some great topics that I, I could geek out on all, all day and every day, uh, Thomas. Um, but what's the best way for us to engage with our customers? You know, for somebody who is working with lots of different companies and individuals to get um, the message out there, what, what, are, what are the best ways for us to engage with our customers? Well, you know, there's a lot to that question, right? Uh, because it starts with content. And you, you know, you have, we always start with the goal of, of the person. So if you, if you don't start with the end in mind, you really shouldn't be writing anything or creating anything or any video. So just to do it for vanity and fun sake, as long as that's your goal, then fine. But if you're really trying to do create a business or a brand, you have to start with what you're trying to achieve and try to measure toward it. And it is, you don't have to endlessly overthink the measurement of what I'm going to do and how am I going to get the, you know, then, then you're not also helping yourself. Just start with a goal. Very simple enough. I want to you know, gain 10,000 followers this year. Okay, great. It's a goal. So how are you going to do that? Uh, well, which social media platform do you want to do that on and why? In, are you trying to give away information, trying to sell you, or you something? And you have to start with kind of all these kind of contexts because that goal forms a strategy which dictates what types of content you create, how often you should create it, and how do you engage with it? And so is that you just fire and forget and you never tell your audience anything or do you get into it and you proactively find the 20 people you're going to tag in a post and then call them ahead of time and say, hey, I'm about to go share this. Can you reshare in the first hour with a good comment so it gets some trend? There's a lot of, you know, like, but why would you do that? And how often can you do that? Can you afford the time or the, or the money to pay someone else? So all those things, I'm not trying to overcomplicate it, but it's just not so simple as, and, and I think what people think is you just create content and you're good. It doesn't work that way. And if you want to get any scale, you have to have a rhythm and it's something you can absolutely sustain and afford and, and drive. And long-winded answer is it's just not that simple to actually be effective with it. Uh, but it does start with you just creating content and then engaging with the people who like, comment, look at it. If you can figure it out, that would be the basic start to do if you, if you want to start doing anything. It's just mm. create, do it consistently, chase a goal. Yeah, I liked how you mentioned uh, one of the habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. It's, uh, it's I really need to read that. Book. I have not read it, and I'll be embarrassing to say everyone references it, and I'm like, oh yeah. But I'm going to be honest; I've never read it. I don't know how to read. That's the problem. Listen, listen to it. Oh. I've got a, I've got an audio book as well. Actually, I should do that. Do that. that may capture. I mean, take me a year, given my span, uh, but um, I'll get through it. I swear. No, but no. I but that's how I think. So I'm, I'm glad to know that somebody who's way more famous than me <laughs> and thoughtful said that because that's really you have to start with the end in mind. And if you don't, you're, you're just, you're a, you know, it's a beacon of light you're changing, chasing, right? At sea. So in the sea of content, if you're a just floating ship, you don't know where you're going and you don't know when you get there. So there's no, there's no way you can do any of this without some type of goal. Yeah. So I, I, I was wondering, cause you're talking about the, the how and the why, when it comes to content creation, which, which do you feel is, is most important? Well, they're, they're equally important because the why is tied to the goal of why you're going to be creating content. The how is how you'll execute really the why, if you will. So how you will get to accomplish why it's important or why you're doing it, it will start, we'll, we'll go to say, okay, I need to then create this type of content because I think my customers are on this digital platform or social media platform. And I believe I'm going to need to do this, this often. And so how I will do that is I'll have to plan. I'll have to get the editorial kind of scheduled together. And then I'll have to also plan for the engagement and the preparation of that engagement. So I get the most out of creating the content. Uh, I found that 
you know, when you create content that's really, really, really good, but no one engages with it, it's a little bit frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also because you didn't probably realize that, you know, there's a ton of that out there. Uh, maybe just a side note, I, I will tell you one of the, the biggest pain points a lot of people come to us with is that they're kind of a pain in the ass, quite honestly, because, and I tell them a lot of customers, you're a pain in the ass, and here's why, you chase perfect. And no one cares about perfect than you. And that, if that's really important you to have a perfect article or a perfect post, you'll never get enough volume or content out to have any effect. So chase good enough. Chase it where, you know, it's a lower, it's an easier read. It's, it doesn't have to always be in the weeds. Save that for the big white papers you do once, you know, six months or once a year. But make your content relatable. Make it easy to consume. Like, don't chase perfect. You know, yeah, get the grammar out of there. And even that probably sometimes doesn't always matter. You know, there's... Um, it matters a lot, but not as much as people think people get the concepts. They accept that sometimes things aren't absolutely perfect of how you could have said, or you might've said it better or a better word. No one cares, but really that you, and if you, if you're in that spot, that's probably one of the biggest hurdles you'll ever need to overcome is letting go and let it, let it be good enough. Yeah. You definitely have to dodge those grammar police. I think it's, I think that's <laughs> one of the reasons why I prefer to do actually, even though I'm a writer, I prefer to do you know, video, because, you know, if I say the word there, it doesn't matter whether it's T-H-E-R-E or T-H-E-I-R, you know what I'm saying? Two, like, how many yeah. times I've done that one? I, I mean, it's, I do that all the time. Uh, but I, I like, so what we do, like what, in, you know, one of the things we're doing at Instarel is like, we leverage every AI writing tool we can find because we know which ones do better than others. So no one has time to go do that. That's why we set this piece up. But a human's still in the loop. AI writing by itself is not enough. It's an incredibly big accelerator for you. Uh, but you'll still need a human in the loop to finish it, to kind of put it in your tonality and make sure that it's not too repetitive or citing data that's no longer relevant, things like that. But we also use the things similar to, let's say, Grammarly or Hemingway to make sure that it reads correctly. It's in the tone you need. It's, it's scored right. The plagiarism's checked. All those things happen as well. But they accelerate the absolute, you know, co content creation by 90, 95%, right? And then a human's just kind of finishing off the last touches, maybe adding the image or pieces like that, or using SEO tools that we'll use to get better titling. And so that all comes together. That's a big piece that individuals don't really have time to do because you'd need multiple tools. You'd have to understand how to use one of them. And it ends up probably taking them longer to leverage that than when you use a company that knows how to do it very quickly based on your, you know, interview, your thoughts, your ideas, your podcast, whatever. So there's, there are accelerators. You just got to know how to leverage them correctly. Okay. Now we've been talking a little bit about content. I would love to know from you, Thomas, you know, how do we create, you know, relevant content, which serves our audience using AI? So how, how, how do we do that? Yeah. Relevant content is the key. Uh, well, it starts with knowing, who your customer or who your audience is and, and, and who, what they want. So uh, relevant content answers questions in their head. It, it, it gives information that they're seeking to learn or discover. And you knowing what those questions are or what those kind of pain points are is incredibly important because then your content should center around answering those questions or, or driving those points. You can use a number of SEO tools to see what people are searching. A great hack is just type a question in Google search of what you think people are asking or looking for. And it'll give you a bunch of things that people are actually searching for and just start taking those questions and work them into your, your titles or into your content to say, Oh, I, I know the answer to that question. And then go write something that says, here's the, you know, do you need meaningful content question mark? Well, cool. Then go give five points on how to go do that. 
And that's, that's an incredibly easy free hack to seem a hack. It's just a good practice to figure out what people are searching for. It might be relevant, but you, but you're still kind of guessing, right? Because you're guessing what you think your customers. So just ask customers, just say, Hey, what are the things you, why did you buy from me? Or why, what, why don't you like this other service? Or what's your biggest pain? What are the things you're out there trying to discover so you can do your job better? Just ask them. And that gives you a lot of intel of what content that's going to be relevant to them is just by asking. So don't be afraid to ask, get some people that kind of like you, kind of trust you, um, or at least we're having an opinion and we'll share it. And you'll be surprised that little core set of content that you learn from them will, will trigger uh, you to go use the Google hack, if you will, to, to further it. Because once you type their question in, 15 others come in below it that are relevant. Yeah. Now, obviously, most of us, you know, we're creating content and we're marketing and we're storytelling to, to give value, to position ourselves. But, you know, obviously the heartbeat and lifeblood of any business is revenue. How, how do we create revenue through uh, this idea of thought leadership? How do we do that? Yeah. So the revenue through thought leadership idea is, is have an opinion, back it up with some data and have some complete thoughts on uh, our perspective. And when you do that, people will begin to trust you as one of the people they should go to, to seek this information or your service, your company. And they will, because you'll backed it up by publishing on the topic and having a point of view and an angle that may be uh, your own, or might be just industry standard, but at least you put it out there. Uh, a big piece of thought leadership too, is not just so much of what you do. No one wants to get weed on all the time, right? Like we do this, we do that. A lot of thought leadership is also developing your personal brand of here's my leadership style. This is how I motivate people around me. This is my take on, on, you know, these bigger topics of, uh, the maybe unpolarizing ones, but ones around how I leverage diversity or how you leverage, um, other people's stories in your own story. I'd say it that way, like how other people have helped you and how you've helped other people. And it's not always about you, but it's, it, you need those things on your profiles. You need people to understand that you're more than just somebody, you know, selling something or producing something that, that you're, you're bigger than that. You're, you have a thought, you're, you're a thought leader and it's both those together. It's not just all about the industry. So they're more likely to trust you if they like you or they can relate to you. So you have to create content around that as well. So it, it kind of seems like it's a bit of a, a long, a long game uh, in terms of your strategy because it's you've got to build that trust and, like you said, back it up with with stats and, and and facts. And then people come to trust that which you're saying. And then when they need something specific that you may demonstrate within your business, they're they're more likely to then you know come to you and, and have that engagement. Right. That's correct. It, it it combines two strategies. One would be if you have, you know, turnkey kind of product services that you already do and have, and you know who your customer is, you know, ads are a good, that's a good place to use those. Like that's when you really get your value out of uh, doing more digital ads or, or even just in, in any kind of advertisement, because you already know what you're selling and you already know where you are. What we're all, we tell is in the background, you need a long game strategy that builds a content asset library that is leverageable in sales cycles, it's leverageable in thought leadership uplift. And that's the other piece that's often missing is the long game of elevating the founder, the CEO, the key people in organizations to be more, be bigger and be more out there. Uh, in addition to all the other things that's going on in traditional marketing cycles, it's incredibly important because people buy from people, even if it's a B2B sale, it's still a, a collection of people that you're buying from. So you do need to influence. And if you've been and how the algorithms work, right? If you're producing content in a B2B sale that is going 
th that should be touching the committees and the people and the groups that are going to buy from you mm. that's relevant to them it'll show up in their feeds and the more time you've shown up in you know feed of you know the three four people without them knowing or you've really reached out your name is already kind of known they well i've seen that guy i've seen his post that's exactly how it works is you're out there always producing content that's relevant to a group. And at some point they're going to be looking to buy something that you may have or, or a service you may provide. And you're already known. Oh, I've seen that face. I've already seen him. I got that guy. Oh, wow. I just, yeah. I see those content all the time. I didn't know he did that, but they did because you just put it in front of them. So it, it does work that way where you're always in people's feeds. One of the indicators we always, I always love to hear from customers are my friends are saying, Oh my gosh, you're all over LinkedIn. You're always in my feed. And on your, when you're, you know, or you're all over my thing on Instagram and, and, and the, and the funny thing is you don't have that perspective as the individual or the business owner, but other people are seeing it when they contact you, they you, they've now thought of you and how many people will reach back out into their networks with, once you're just always in their feed and, and it's fun. Yeah, that is interesting. I think, cause sometimes people say, you know, Mark, um, I recognize your book, um, but I, I didn't recognize your name. Uh, sometimes that happens, which is interesting as well. That actually the 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 product that we're we're presenting or marketing actually sometimes is better known than than the individual who made it. Do you do you see that as a as a as a nice problem? I think that's a fan. I mean, someone who recognizes a brand over a face, you've now made the the change, right? Um, it, it's even cooler because it, it becomes it'd be a great thing if someone's like. Oh, I know that. I mean, that's actually happened once to me. So on the YouTube channel for AI Nerd, someone said, oh, I see, I've seen that logo lots of times pop up in my feed. I didn't know that was you. I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And so, when, you know, it's, it's, it, there's, it, it happens very rarely because we're just still growing. But, but it's, it's nice because it's like, it's, I know that's out there in another feed. And someone's like, oh, I see the re these videos all the time. I didn't realize that was your channel. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, that's. That's pretty cool. So, you know, plus one subscriber that day, right? Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, why do you believe design is so important when it comes to providing eye-catching leadership? Oh, yeah. You, you know, how, it's the visual element. You know, the, the three things are visual, you know, written audio, you know, visual audio and the text, right? So if you can have a good visual graphic or a good thumbnail or a good... Um, layout on your video and your text supports it in a way that's like it gets the reader captured quickly uh it, it's so important to have that visual element especially like on a carousel right on a carousel kind of post big letters you know big words big ideas great imagery it, it's just key to getting someone to look at it you know for an extra five seconds longer or 10 seconds um i mean no one does it perfect every time but if your thought is i really want to make this appealing to who i think my customer or the people who should care about it you know, if you've taken that thought, you've at least moved definitely the needle quicker to be more in line with what your customers or prospects uh, expect versus mm -hmm. what you wanted. Uh, and that's often the problem is like, well, I think it should look like this. And, you know, I'm totally comfortable telling a customer like that looks horrible. Your baby's ugly. And we need to probably throw that out with the bathwater and put you get you a new baby that you may or may not like, but it'll grow up to be a beautiful kid. And so, so we, <laughs> you just got to have that conversation. Sometimes what you're doing doesn't work because it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't read well. It's, you may like it. The, you know, one of the things we talk about is content diversity. And part, part of that is also in tonality. So if you're a human who just yells all the time, and only people you're going to listen to are people who like to hear yelling, period. It's sometimes you're going to have to whisper. Maybe, maybe throw a little lisp in there. Something, just do something a little nicer. You know, just 
say the same things, but change your tone, change how you look, change, you know, little elements of what you do. So other people will listen to what you have to say. And, and, and that comes with some practice that comes with maybe leveraging, you know, ghostwriting or other services or, or changing the tonality on the AI and stuff like this. You have to do that. Otherwise, it, after a while, you just, you run out of people who want to hear you yell. Have you always been fascinated by thought leadership, Thomas? And is it something that you, that you feel like you can maybe share a couple of thoughts of how do we maybe increase our own thought leadership so that what we are, you know, giving off is drawing new people in? Yeah, you know, uh, I haven't always been, maybe not, I haven't been that fascinated with thought leadership, but I've always been fascinated by, are the people that were, some, how do they become, their journey? How do they become a thought leader? Like, how did that guy all of a sudden, how, why is his video on there? I mean, he's terrible at this video. Oh my word, like he could barely talk. And yet he's that, he's what? And so that was the fascinating thing was is some type of, you know, driven in me to be like, I think I could do that better, but what do I know? <laughs> then, then it kind of shakes it down. Like, you know, a friend of mine or a mentor and a friend of mine said one time, you know, your, your boss is there for a reason. And until you can figure out why that person's ahead of you, you won't ever get there. And so, you know, and they may be dumber than you, they may be smarter than you, but you have to figure out why they're ahead. And if you're looking to become a thought leader, the first thing I'll tell you to do is become an expert in some type of pillar that's a tied to a much bigger structure. And for me, I, my, my first in was when I saw robotic process automation. I, I, I saw this technology. I've always been a technologist, always spoken well about it, but it was all over the place with, I knew a little bit of this little, you know, jack of all trades. But when I saw this technology and saw how it's going to transform how we do process and business, I went all in on it. I learned it. I learned the companies, the people, the, the tech, uh, you know, like, you know, jumped in coding on it for a while, did, you know, and then got positions around it and really started writing about it. And, and then what I found was that I got me established as like an intelligent automation expert. And that's led to all types of opportunities. It's also led to how I think about how we create, uh, how I created Instarel.ai because it takes the right technology, the right moment with the right human in the right moment to automate as much as the process as possible, but yet focused only on the outcome. But when I did that, then I opened my perspective of how else and what else can I talk about? And that's when the thought leadership move came was when I felt comfortable talking on a, t a topic with anyone on that. And like, I could debate the topic endlessly. Now, some people would have more experience in implementation, more people would have more experience selling it or doing it, but I could hold my own on the perspective relative to you know, AI or other components of it. And so when I, when I did this, it was uh, a big transition for me because I had to get off my own fear set of being out there to be on camera, to write about it. What would people think about me? Uh, and luckily my personality allowed me to say, I don't, I don't care. Let's do it. Um, and once you do, that's the hardest transition is just stating I am a thought leader on this topic and here are my creds behind it. That first moment, that is, that's the part where most people say, yeah, I'm not doing that. And, but if you want to actually get out there and you really do have a good opinion and you really do have a point of view, that's not, um, you know, it's got to be friendly and not jaded. It's got to have an actual purpose in business and not just to be an antagonist. Right. Mm -hmm. But you still have to transition over to being that thought leader, either by written or video or whatever, but the more content types you can do, honestly, the, the better you establish it. Mm. I think one of the things that you said there, people need to take big note of because i know i did which was you said about being an expert mm -hmm. uh, to a pillar that's attached to something bigger than yourself i think that 
alone is is golden in this whole podcast that really stood out for me thomas so i truly believe this it's my yeah. my own my own thought on that i appreciate that because if you don't have a pillar to stand on you'll never be part of that bigger structure you'll never be pulled up and there and and you have to be an expert in one thing and it doesn't take long to you know just go all in on it and really you know commit to it read and do and, and, and understand it and have a perspective and test that hypothesis once you have that established, not only is your career going to go all new places, like that is, that is the key to, I think, moving forward in a career, though I've never been promoted, future book coming out, um, but uh, never have. But the, uh, the idea is that I've always tied myself to something and then chased the thing that I thought was bigger past it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Now, we've talked a little bit about Instaral, but how can Instaral.ai create like epic content? Everything that we've talked about, engagement, content thought leadership how, how does your um intelligence create epic content that both serves the audience of the client that you're serving and also gives your client a sense that what's within them is being expressed yeah it, I, I, it's a it's a fair question i get it all the time um I'll, I'll tell you the way one main problem we solve is time it just takes too much time to create content engage with it and have a strategy that's effective it just it just takes too much time to do it at scale uh, what I did with what I do with customers is the goal is to do what I did with my own. I have, I used to be 30 hours a week in social media. I'm down to one hour. I have 24 hours a day, seven days a week coverage in all social media accounts. Uh, you know, I've grown to 169,000 or so followers as of May. Uh, and the way we did that is, is exactly the methodology is start with the goals. For me, it was, you know, start with one goal and then it was to develop content to that goal and then engage with it like crazy I mean, like get out there proactively do find the people who are leaders and con connect with them, do calendars with them, talk with them, get them in your posts, get them reshare, um, learn the algorithms of how they, they work on the, on the organic side of what content does well, but what's too, you know, you don't want to put kittens meowing, doesn't help your brand, but occasionally you might want to throw those out there. So you grab a bunch of followers, right? So there's a strategy of, you know, fun fact Mondays versus, you know, uh, the, the Friday poll and some business in between. And then learning, like when you have a really good post, that does a hundred thousand views, the drops, and maybe we do this the next day, cause you're in a lot more feeds and it's, there's a strategy involved. And we do this with customers. Now, not every customer has, is, is going to have that effect. And you shouldn't expect the kind of growth that I had because, you know, I was doing it at a hyper level that no one could have really not everyone, but no one's going to go jump in and afford right away. They're going to just kind of tiptoe through it. So what we do is we just get the right, you have to have a budget, you have to have a goal, because if you have that mindset, we can go create a, create a ton of value by creating the right content to that budget, get the right amount of engagement on it. And instead of you growing me like this, you'll grow, you know, by 7% more, 10% more in your follower view base or your engagement or your call to action base. People shouldn't expect a 200% growth overnight. They should expect a good growth, like a good return, seven, 10, 15% more. That's a fantastic piece. Now, you have to have the other pieces in place too, like your landing pages, your, your story, you know, if, if your service doesn't make the market, you can get all the, the, the leads and interactions you want, but it's going to fall flat if you haven't worked on that part too. But in the, the day, you need content. And so we use AI to help accelerate it. We use humans to finish it. We use engagement um, technologies to help set up the scheduling and some of things, how, how you should respond. That's some of the AI re rewriting, but humans are still very much so in the loop but we save time. We just do it for you. And that's, that's kind of how we do it. We could, we put it together, we package it up and we be as effective as possible for your budget. And then you, you get the benefit of free time where you should go out and do podcasts like these. You should go do uh, you know, live events, 
you, you do need to fill the space between that you've just saved in time with something that elevates you further. So mm. that's all part of the strategy that we work through with you. Love it. Oh, I've got one last question and then anything that you've got burning that we haven't captured and obviously let people know how they can find out more about you as well. But um, tell us, tell us as a, as a part in thought uh, around your YouTube channel, it's called the AI nerd. Tell us about, tell us about that and, and kind of what people can expect from that. Yeah, I appreciate that. So AI nerd is a, is a, I call it my cost center. You know, it's all about loss, right? <laughs> so no, AI nerd is my, my give back to community and in particular creators, you know, the very few people out there that are uh, find, founding companies, they're, you know, technologists at heart, they're nerds at heart. They love talking about what they're doing. I'm giving them a platform to come on and go live or talk about their product and service. It's endless, shameless plugs for themselves, but in a conversational interview format, um, it's friendly. I drive a ton of humor in it because frankly, I think a lot of the real, well, maybe I'm wrong, but a lot of the really good interviews are, are not funny. They're just so dry, but yet I don't understand why they're so popular. I don't know who can make it through it. So I'm trying to insert humor and personality to allow people who are creating, who are founders, who are, you know, CEOs and technology to, so their personality can come out so people can see them for more than just what they, you know, and, and so I try to draw that out. But it's a short, you know, short form interview, 12 to 25 minutes. We'll go live. We'll do them recorded. Um, it's free. We produce the whole video. We even promote it. Um, I encourage founders who really want to just practice talking, talk about what their pro value proposition is. Um, some random questions, usually around Star Wars or something with Marvel. <laughs> um, but it's fun and it's free and it's a community based piece. It, it's a it's once it's a 10-year goal for me to build this to be uh, AI nerd is where you go to kind of promote your products, talk about it and discuss it and discover new things. Sounds, sounds great. I'm going to check it out, Thomas. Uh, how do plus people find subscriber out? today? Plus one subscriber. <laughs> yeah. Plus one over in the UK. Definitely. I want your well, channel to promote us. That's what we do. That's my shameless plug. today. <laughs> do a whole video on your channel. <laughs> how, uh, how do people find out more about you? Um, as we, as we bring this to, to a close. Yeah, absolutely. So there's always LinkedIn. You can search on Thomas AI Nerd Healthfrick. You can email me at T, that's the letter T, as in tango, T at instarel.ai. I do respond back to all sorts of emails. I probably shouldn't, probably waste my time a bit. Uh, but those are two big ways. You can check out instarel.ai uh, if you just want to see kind of what we're doing there. Um, always evolving. But email, LinkedIn, however, just if you mention this podcast, you may get a special treat. <laughs> sounds good Thomas has been really good uh, just to pick your brain dive in and, and draw out of you some real golden nuggets there for, for everybody that's going to listen to this so thank you oh thank you for having me it's been, it's been wonderful and I, I, I really love the Brains Magazine format and what you're providing uh, out there as, you know, as a creator yourself beautiful thanks Thomas thank you for joining this episode with me Max Sefton I hope you've really enjoyed it feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes and I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.